Good morning, church. What a great morning of worship. Man, I love it. Just being in God's presence and giving him all the praise and all the glory because it's all about Jesus. And so what a great time to be together. And welcome this morning. We're coming to the conclusion of a great series. We've been in this series called Making History. You know, making his story come alive in the heart of our family. And I love this series, right, because we're all a part of a family. We have a biological family. We have parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and God places in that family for a reason and for a purpose, but we're also a part of the family of God. We're a part of God's family right here, and so that Christ would be exalted in all of us and in His church, and what a, what a blessing it is to be on this journey together, and this series has been strategic, right, because it's at the beginning of school and kind of launching into a new routine for many people and saying, okay, what are going to be the priorities? What are we going to establish? Where are we going to invest our time and our energy? But also as a church, you know, we're launching into a kind of a new year of ministry. And so just encourage everybody to get into a community group and find a place there or a men's study or women's study or a place to serve and to give back because this is such an incredible time and season for us to grow. Now, I got to tell you, I love being a dad, you know, I do. It's just fun. I love I love being a parent. And this is one of those things I just don't want to mess up, okay? So like I want to, I want to get better all the time at being a dad. And, and I know for many of you, that's why you're here, right? You don't want to be a great parent or an incredible grandparent. or You just want to make a difference. You know and understand how important this time is and how precious the children that God has entrusted to you or God has entrusted to us as a church and that we can be found faithful and that we can make an impact for the glory of God. And we don't want to mess that up, right? We want to do that right and do that well. And so I just want you to know I'm praying with you and praying for you. And as we dive into God's word, we want to say, hey, God, use us. Use us today. So today we're going to talk about this. How do we raise world changers, right? As parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles, as a church, how do we raise world changers? Not just raise up kids who take up space, right, or live a ho-hum kind of life. We want to raise up kids that are going to be bold and going to make a difference for the glory of God. So let's talk about that today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, New Testament, kind of toward the back of the Bible right there uh, in the T section. They're all kind of right there together. 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, all right there. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. We'll put the scripture on the screen. You can follow along with what God's Word has to say. But when you come to 2 Timothy, this is the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. And, and you may know that he wrote a lot of letters, New Testament, like kind of half the New Testament Paul wrote kind of as letters to different churches. And he's writing this as his last one. He's in prison now in Rome. So he's had four missionary journeys. You know, he's just made an incredible impact for the glory of God. He's now in prison. Emperor Nero has him there. His first imprisonment in Rome, he kind of was under house arrest and people could see him. Now he's chained in a dungeon. And so here he is writing, knowing that his time is about done. I mean, it's about up, right? And so he writes to Timothy, who's kind of his young protege. Uh, he says in verse 2, write to Timothy, my dear son. Now, he's not his biological son. 
Uh, Timothy has a, a dad who was Greek. He's got a mom and a grandmother we're going to find out about. And then, you know, here's Paul who led him to Christ probably in Lystra on one of his missionary journeys. And now Timothy is pastoring the church in Ephesus. And so Paul knows his days are numbered, writes him this letter, says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. So Paul's like, okay, I'm in prison. I'm going to be praying. I'm praying for you, Timothy. I'm writing you this letter. Recalling tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives also in you. Right? He's like, you know what? Your grandmother was awesome. She loved the Lord. Your, your mom so amazing. And, and now they've passed that faith on to you. And now it's your turn, Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but it has a great place right there to underline because fan into flame the gift of God. You know, for many of us, we've accepted Christ. We become followers of Jesus, and there's this spark inside of us. But it shouldn't stay a spark, right? It should fan into flame. It should, it should grow in us. We become more passionate about Jesus every day. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It shouldn't make us like, you know, hide out, you know, and be kind of timid in our faith. Some of yours may say fearful. It shouldn't make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, for he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It's like Paul just drops the gospel right here. Timothy, don't forget. It's not about what you do or don't do. It's about what he's done. <laughs> Jesus paid it all. Right? You are redeemed. You are restored. You can live in freedom. You can live in boldness, right? Because of what he's done, his purpose, his grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death. Praise God for that. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That this life is not all that there is. That there is more to come. And Jesus made a way for us. That the death, the big bully on the block for which everybody was afraid, Jesus defeated death. And now we can have eternal life. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. And that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet, this is no cause for shame. Because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul's like, I know. I am confident. I know whom I believed, right? I know it's Jesus. I know what he's going to do. What you've heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And you see Paul just pouring his heart out to Timothy. Timothy, you take the baton. Right? I know my time's almost done, and so I'm passing it on to you. I'm passing it on to the next generation. You take it, and you run with it, Timothy. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I want you to write down. First of all, notice this. The spiritual impact of our biological family and our church family. The spiritual impact of our biological family and our church family. Think about this. 
Who invested in you? Who invested in you? Somebody told you about Jesus, right? Somebody brought you to church. Somebody prayed for you. And maybe you were blessed and you grew up in a Christian home. And man, right now you're just saying, thank you, God, for my mom or my dad. You know, or we had this grandmother and she just prayed like she was a prayer warrior. Or, 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 you know, maybe there was somebody in your biological family that, man, they poured into you. If so, praise God, right? Send them a text. Tell them thank you, you know. Do something nice because they invested in you. But also, there may have been others. There were people at church. Maybe you had a pastor, a youth pastor. Maybe you had a community group leader. Maybe you had a small group leader. Maybe there was a Sunday school teacher. There was somebody who poured into you. And you're here today. And you think back on, man, they invested in me. And I'm so grateful and so thankful. The spiritual impact of our biological family and our church family. Hey, as parents and grandparents, I think about Lois and Eunice, right? We're called to give our children a solid spiritual foundation. You know, Paul goes, hey, think about Timothy, your grandmother. She was awesome, right? You know, your mom. I mean, they're just amazing women of God. And they gave you a spiritual foundation, Timothy's dad was Greek, you know, probably wasn't a believer. We're not sure if he came to know Christ later on. But these women, like, we're going to make sure Timothy is in the Lord. We're going to make sure that he's growing up. We're going to make sure that he has a spiritual foundation. And if you're a parent or a grandparent here, that's our call. <laughs> that's our responsibility now. You know, we can teach them a lot of things, and we should. But are we teaching them and pouring into them and giving them a spiritual foundation? As a church family, we all need to have godly role models. And I think about Paul with Timothy. I think about how Paul poured into him, right? He says, you're my dear son in the faith. He wasn't his biological son, but he was his son through the church, through the body of Christ. And my wife, Lisa, is amazing. I love her. I'm so thankful for her. She's just a, a great wife, great mom. Uh, but when she was 10 years old, she grew up in this little town called Kevill, Kentucky. All right, so I mean, it's like so little, it's like outside of Paducah, Kentucky. That's like the big town, right, is Paducah. And so you're at Kevill. And so she's growing up there, 10 years old. She's in this little Baptist church uh, there. And she, back then, you know, you came down the aisle, right, to make a public profession to Christ, right? You know, and so I did that when I was a kid. Uh, now, you know, we come down at the, after the end of the service and pray with people, or you can mark on a card, and we have baptism classes for children and for students. But, but back then, it was just like, okay, you come down when you're ready to make that public. Well, she's 10 years old, and she's standing there, and, and it's this one Sunday, and she goes, you know, I knew I'd already accepted Christ in my life, and I was going to walk down the aisle, but I was just nervous. Lisa's a little bit more of an introvert. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm kind of an extrovert. I don't, I don't know if you, but Lisa's more the introvert. We are a great balance for each other. She loves people, but she's like, I don't want to walk down an aisle in front of everybody. And so she prays and she goes, okay, God, if somebody else goes down before me, then I'll go. And nobody really ever went down, right? It was this little Baptist church there. And so people would come down every now and then for prayer and, and stuff like that. So she thought, I got this. This is safe, right? I can do this. I, if somebody comes down before me, well, sure enough, that Sunday, somebody came down. She's like, okay, maybe that was a fluke. Okay, God, if somebody else comes down, then I'll go, right? If somebody else comes down. And sure enough, somebody else went down that morning. And she's like, 
what is going on, right? He just, just like said I was teared up and I was going on. So she goes, okay, God, if somebody else comes down, right? Number three, if somebody else comes down that morning, then I will go. And sure enough, somebody else came down that morning, like three people. I mean, they're having revival at this church, right? I mean, this is like unbelievable. They're on fire for the Lord. Like, what's happening here? Well, there was an older lady who was in the choir who was like a family friend of theirs. And she saw Lisa. And she could just see she had tears. And she knew God was working in her life. So she comes down out of the choir and just walks down and puts her arm around her. And Lisa goes, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. And she came down front. And then Lisa said this. She goes, right then that day, I said, you know, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. And I'll tell you, Jesus... I'm never going to be last again. You prompt my heart, I'm never going to be last again. You tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. And, and, and praise God for that. You know, and 16 years ago, when God called us to be part of planting rolling hills, and I'm scared to death, and Lisa's like, no, if God's calling us, we're going. We're going. I'm not waiting for anybody else. Let's go. And I'm so thankful for that. But you know what? I'm also thankful for that lady in the choir. I'm thankful for that lady in the choir. Lisa found out later on that lady got up at 3 a.m. that morning. And she said, I know I'm getting older, so God, would you raise up the next leaders in our church? Would you raise up the next generation? And she prayed for five hours from 3 a.m. to 8 a.m. before she came to church that God would raise up. And man, they had a revival that day. I'm just telling you, you make a difference. And there are little eyes that are watching all of us. Guys, in all of our lives, you know, we need a Paul. We need a spiritual mentor in all of our lives. But we also need a Timothy. <laughs> and we talk often about find a spiritual mentor, and hopefully you have one, right? Maybe you've got a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a community group leader. Get in a community group or a men's Bible study or a women's. You've got a spiritual mentor. But in your life, we also need a, a mentee. <laughs> and if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, you've got, got that built in, right? But for all of us, there's somebody we're pouring into, and you go, well, maybe I don't know enough. I haven't been walking with the Lord long enough. Even if you know one step, you can show somebody that step. If you're in high school, you can mentor a middle schooler, right? You're in college, you can do a high school. I mean, there's people who need somebody to look up to. And for all of us, we have that call. So how did Paul raise a world changer? Because <laughs> Timothy goes on to become a world changer, I'm telling you guys. He's pastoring a church in Ephesus, and after Paul dies as martyr for his faith, Timothy, man, he kind of takes the mantle and spreads the gospel throughout the region. Paul did four things. Number one, Paul prayed for Timothy. Paul prayed for Timothy. Look at verse three, right? What did he say? I constantly remember you in my prayers. Are you praying for your kids? Are you praying for your grandkids? Are you praying for those in our church? Are you praying for the next generation? Now, sometimes our prayers are like this. Oh, God, keep them safe, right? Just let them be safe, and, and, and that's fine. But what if we amped it up a little bit, okay? Oh, God, don't just let them be safe. Let them be bold. Let them be courageous. Let them be fearless. God, let them make a difference today. God, I want to pray that you fill them with your Holy Spirit and that they would go out and change the world. I want to pray that way power of prayer. Secondly, Paul challenged Timothy to reach his full potential in Christ. Timothy, I pray that you will fan into flame what has started you. Timothy, I see some great things in you. I see some incredible leadership potential, but I want you to fan that in flame. I don't want it just to stay small. I'm going to challenge you in that. Paul pointed, number three, he pointed Timothy to Jesus. 
Timothy, listen, don't just look at me. You look at Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the one who's going to last. And he constantly did that. He gives them the whole gospel. Let me just give it to you again, Timothy. I know you're a pastor, but I'm just going to lay it out there again because you've got to hear this, what Christ has done for you. And then the fourth thing he did was Paul modeled for Timothy how to live out his faith. He modeled for him how to live out his faith. Hey, this is what, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. But I want to tell you, I'm going to live it all to my very last breath for the glory of God. I'm going to live it out. Timothy, look at the pattern I'm showing you. You live it out. And he did. Guys, our call is to raise spiritual champions. Spiritual champions. You know, we want our kids to be winners, right? We all do. We want them to win their soccer game. We want them to win their flag football game. We want them to ace their test in school. We want them to do great in geometry. But man, are we passionate about them being spiritual champions for the Lord? Come on, I want you to do your best. I want you to reach your full potential. There's a guy, George Barna, and he studies like churches in the United States and kind of Christianity, and he does a ton of research, and he posts all this research that he's doing and works with, you know, the government and works with churches and everybody else to kind of see what's happening and the trends that are happening around. And he wrote this book called Revolutionary Parenting. And in there, he gives six kind of criteria for raising a spiritual champion. And there were a few that just kind of jumped out at me. And I want to show you these, okay? So here's his, kind of his six criteria. One, that they've embraced Jesus Christ as both Savior and Lord. So for your child, your, your grandchildren, your, the kids that we have at church, right, they embrace Jesus as both Savior, right, that they have a personal relationship with him. But it doesn't just stop at Savior. He, he becomes the Lord of their life. Like their boss, their CEO, like I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord, a lot of people want to kind of stop at Savior. They're like, okay, I just kind of want that fire insurance policy, right? You know, and then I'm going to go live however I want to, so I can go to heaven, and I'll get back to you, God. And he's like, no, I want, to, I want you to allow me to live through you. So embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Two, accept the Bible as truth and their guide for life. Let the kids know, hey, I'm going to go back to God's Word. It's kind of the playbook for life. I, I can understand that. Number three, seek to live in obedience to the Bible's principles. I'm going to model my life to what God says, the way the world works, not just the way culture says. I'm going to follow him. Number four, live in search of ways to deepen their relationship with God. You know, that they're pursuing God, that they're growing. They're not complacent or comfortable. That's for all of us, right? That's a call all of us are taking the next step in Christ. And maybe your next step is to be in a community group or be in a Bible study or your next step is to do a mission trip or whatever your next step is. But we're always growing. Kids are growing in the Lord. And then this is the one that got me. He said this, live in a noticeably different way than normal average churchgoers. I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? But he said, no, to be a spiritual champion, to be a world changer, to live in a noticeably different way than just normal average churchgoers in the United States. And I think, wow, it kind of speaks to 
the climate in the U.S., we can settle for a cultural Christianity. We can settle for a comfortable Christianity. But he's like, no, we want to raise up kids who are going to be passionate about Jesus, that they're going to take Jesus from Sunday into Monday, take Jesus from here to into my school, to into my workplace, to into my life, to into my marriage, to into my family, to into my parenting, to into my grandparenting. That's not just going to stop on Sunday and I get a check mark that I came to church. Now I'm going to live out my faith. And then the last one, he says, is possesses a biblical worldview that shapes decision making. That all of a sudden they go, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that I can make decisions based on what God wants me to do, about who I should date or what job I should take or what school I should go to or what relationships I should be in because of what God wants me to do. Hey, so how are we as parents and role models to raise world changers in Christ today? How are we to do that? Well, I think we come along with the church. We partner with the body of Christ. We put them in the environments where they can succeed. We help them get in small groups and around kids who are pursuing the Lord and around adults that are going to help them grow. Uh, Chase Baker, our family pastor, and Nick Allen, our campus pastor at our Nashville campus, they wrote a book together called Mile Marker. And this book is great. If you're a parent, you ought to go out and get this after the service today. But they kind of identify six mile markers for kids. And the first one is dedication. That, that we dedicate our children to the Lord. We have family dedication here. And just like in the Old Testament, Hannah dedicated her son, you know, Samuel to the Lord. Or New Testament, Mary and Joseph dedicating Jesus to the Lord. Mile marker one. Mile marker two, their education, that foundation that they grow up. Mile marker three, salvation. And I got to tell you guys, as a, as a dad, it's hard for me to even talk about it because I'll start to tear up. But, but my, my greatest joy is seeing all three of my kids, except Christ, be baptized. And to be a part of that, and it's just awesome. It's just awesome. But then there's the maturity, and there's kind of these six mile markers, and it's almost like a journal, kind of helping you walk through that as we raise world changers in Christ today. Notice this. Make spiritual parenting a priority. You know, we'll make school a priority. We'll make sports a priority. We'll make a lot of things a priority. But are we making parenting spiritually a priority? There's a family in our church, and I just, I love them, and they've got, their kids are grown, but they have a family text, right? And we talked about cell phones last week, but man, how you can use cell phones and leverage those, and, and they have this family text, and they send out a devotional, so their whole family's doing a devotional each morning together. Here's the scripture for the day. Here's how I'm praying for you today, and how can we do that? How can we say, hey, at meals, we're going to pray, and how can I encourage you, and let's have a family devotional, and let's talk about these things. Second, see the potential for spiritual leadership of the next generation. You know, Paul did that. He saw that potential in Timothy. And we see the potential. A lot of times people will go, oh, millennials, right? Or Generation Z. Or You know what? You go out and study. And I'm telling you, millennials and Generation Z, they are passionate about the Lord. I mean, there are people who are searching and seeking spiritual answers. There's people out there asking questions. These guys are going to be leaders, and as we look at we go, okay, man, I gotta, I gotta pray for them. I wanna encourage them. I wanna fan that into flame with them. And, and yeah, there's the rise of the nuns and they don't have any kind of relationship with God, but there's also a lot of people that are really passionate about Jesus. And man, if I can help them reach their generation, if I can pass on some of the things that God's taught me, if I can see the potential there, give the responsibility, give the next generation responsibility and empower them to make a difference. You know what I love about our church is we have worship one hour, serve one hour. You worship 
one hour and you, you serve somewhere as a parking, greeting, ushering, or working with preschooler, children, or students. When our students are in high school, we do that too. So you can look around and there's high school students in here serving. There's high school students back with preschool or children or students. There's high school students that are out serving in the parking lot. Why? Because we want to give them responsibility and watch them make a difference. And then that carries over to school and into life. And the fourth one, believe God is working in your kids and our kids. We all need someone to believe in us. You know, when somebody believes in you, don't they just put wind in your sails? When somebody believes in you, they go, oh, you can do it. I believe in you. And you're like, yeah, me too. You know, and it's just like, this just, man, it just energizes you. We all need somebody to believe in us. And Jesus was teaching one time, Matthew chapter 19, and, and he's teaching and all these people are coming to him and the disciples are like holding back the kids, right? They're like, Jesus is really busy. You're a kid, you stay back. And what did Jesus say? Jesus goes, oh, come on guys, let the little kids come to me. Let them come. And I can just imagine all these kids just flocking to Jesus. I mean, who wouldn't want to be around Jesus, right? They're all just flocking to Jesus, and Jesus is praying for them. He's blessing them. And I just think, wow, I mean, that kid, I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus prayed for me. Jesus believed me. Well, today, we're the hands and feet of Christ. Today, the call has come to us. And we're called to believe in our kids, our kids here at church, but also kids around the world who need hope, who need help. I want you to hear this morning from Nate Kelly, and Nate's just this amazing man of God. He's just a leader in our church, and him and his wife, Becky, are great parents, and I'm just so thankful for Nate, and uh, thanks for sharing this morning, man. Hey, talk about, so you and Becky, you're very intentional with your kids, and talk about how you are helping give your kids a spiritual foundation. Yeah, so we've got uh, two kids. My daughter, Grace, is 11. My son, Ryder, is 8, so, you know, we've got... um, sort of that experience from when they're really small up until the preteen stuff. So that's a whole other world that we'll be involved in before too long. But, you know, when we think about spiritual foundation, um, up to this point, our experience has really showed us that there's, there's two ways in particular that, that really we help to build that with them. Um, the first is, is pretty simple, and that's talking about spiritual stuff. Um, you know, whether it's when we're praying with them uh, individually or as a family, uh, the Bible stories that we share with them, just allowing them to be kind of in, immersed in that story and see themselves in those situations and, and hearing how God works in certain people's lives. Um, you know, that, that's one way, you know, talking and communicating really for us has grown more into getting to hear about them, getting to hear about what's going on in their lives, um, what, what's working at school, what, what's their friendship situation like, what's the, what are the things that make them happy, what are the things that they get stressed about or that they're concerned about, and really just trying to put ourselves into that situation um, so that we can hear the experiences that they're having and help them sort sort of formulate a, a spiritual framework in, in which to see those those events of their lives taking place. So, you know, as they tell us about, for instance, you know, kids in school that might be the weird kid at school, right? Where we can have that conversation to say, you know, well, what do you think that Jesus thinks about that weird kid? You know, what, what is it that you could do maybe to take a look at that weird kid and see him the way that Jesus does and, and maybe be a light to somebody like that? or if there's a bully situation, to, to really take that example and talk about maybe 
why somebody would be a bully. What, what's going on with that person? Is there a way that we can love people that are difficult to love? Um, so that would be, you know, as far as talking and communicating with them. The, the other thing that for us is, you know, our experience has been that, that we have to be able to show them things um, for that foundation to develop. And so um, we try to show them, obviously, to, to model uh, the way that faith influences the decisions that we make and the way that we live our lives. So um, a lot of times it comes into a, a role of, hey, here's why we're serving. Here's why we're choosing to maybe not do the things that essentially that we want to do today and, and why we want to do something to help other people. Um, and not just letting them see us do that, but also explaining to them the why. And the why a lot of times is because you know, God loves you and he loves me, but he loves all these other people too. And so we can help spread that by serving other people and showing them. And, and so I think those two things in combination are really, you know, something actively that we can do as parents in order to help build that foundation. Man, that's so good, Nate. So good. So how are you helping to raise kids that aren't timid? You know, because this world, I mean, it's tough, you know, and there's a lot of things that they fear, but you're endeavoring to raise, you know, world changers. How yeah. do you, how are you doing that with your kids? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked that yeah. since you sent it to me and I got to prepare for it. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> so when I think about kids that are bold and fearless, that really takes on a different thing based on who the kid is, right? I mean, because everybody's child is different and, and boldness or, or fearlessness may look very different from child to child. The, the common theme that came back to me as I was really kind of pouring into that question was to remind my kids. Um, we, we have gotten to a point now where it's, it's kind of needed, um, but it's really paid off to remind them of who they really are, um, where their value really comes from. As we get wrapped up into grades and, you know, accomplishments that they're expecting or, or, you know, things that they're putting on themselves, you know, what their friends, how many friends they have, you know, that we remind them that, you know, those things can be good, but that their value is because they're a child of God's and that remind them that they were made for a purpose, um, remind them that, that God is rooting for them. You know, I love that thought that God is, is hoping that they make the kind of choices and will lead them into places where he wants them to go. Um, and, you know, to just remind them that they're never alone. Um, you know, sometimes we can see it as parents that the situation may not be as dire as they tend to think it is, but to them that's real. And so we need to be remindful that, that they're not alone, that there's always somebody there with them and that there's somebody else that's in control when it feels like their world really isn't in control sometimes. So reminding them is, is definitely one way to, to move towards boldness and fearlessness. Yeah, I think that's so important, you know, because our kids forget, right? Like we all do, right? And just reminding them of that, that God is with you and for you. Hey, you, you know, not only are you a dad, your kids... And then you and Becky are so involved here at church and you work with preschool children, all of our, a lot of our kids. You guys are helping to mentor and disciple them and through uh, what happens on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights and everything else. But also this summer, you went for the first time to Moldova. Yep. 
And your family's been sponsoring a child over there through JMI, the nonprofit we started, Justice and Mercy International, for five years. Yeah. And you had the chance to meet your sponsored child. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, so as you mentioned, I, you know, five years ago, I went to a JMI gala dinner. Didn't really know what to expect. Um, and pretty quickly, I realized that JMI was an organization that, that we felt like, hey, this is a great organization we want to be involved in. And so we finished up the dinner and we walked right out that door and there was a table out there and it had a bunch of pictures of, of kids that needed sponsorship. And um, so we went over and we, you know, saw a couple snippets on a couple of the kids and we picked out a couple of kids that we decided that we wanted to sponsor. And so for the past five years, one of our children, Nikolai, um, we've been emailing, we email every month and, and we get emails back from him and you know, we share pictures of our family and, and try to keep in touch with kind of how God is working with us and through our family. Um, we get to hear things about his everyday life and, and the things that, that he has to deal with. And um, so when we were in the southern part of Moldova, uh, on the very last uh, evening, there, there was an opportunity for me to take kind of a covert trip and to take a car um, in Moldova and drive to some place where I didn't really know where I was going, but we ended up in the village of Carpignan, and um, and it was it was great. So I I got taken to Nikolai's house, and he was there with his mom and, and his grandmother, who occasionally lives with them, um, and he has two brothers who who are also sponsored. Found out that they don't necessarily have a lot of um, letters coming back into them. And also found out how important that is that you stay in touch with these kids. And so for the first 20 minutes, um, Nikolai didn't say a word. He just looked at me. Um, and his mom apologized prof profusely because she said he was so nervous. And so I told him that I was nervous too because um, in our family, Nikolai's famous. I mean, you know, it's five years of learning about this boy and, and getting pictures of him and, and really, you know, feeling like we're growing closer and closer. And, and I'll tell you, the, the experience of, obviously it's nice to be able to sponsor somebody, right? But the real value isn't the $40 a month that we spend sponsoring a kid in Moldova. It's the fact that you all of a sudden get to take some of the things that you do as a parent um, or the parenting skills that you have, and you get to start pouring those into people who, who maybe don't get a lot of that. Um, I was able to, to talk with Nikolai through Allah, our translator, and, and to tell him that he was special, um, to be able to tell him that, that, that I knew that he was such a big helper to his mother because uh, he had written about it, um, to look him in the eye and tell him that, that there were important things that, that he was going to be able to do and that I could tell that he was a leader and he kind of straightened up. I don't know if anybody had ever told him that before. Um, I was able to talk with his mom and just tell her what an amazing job she does and that she must be a wonderful mother. Um, and, and you think about that and, and the, the truth that I was able to pour into their lives, I don't know when they hear that. I, I don't know the last time his mother maybe heard what a great job she's doing. The fact that she leaves for, you know, three months out of the year to, to go work in a factory so that she can buy firewood so they have enough heat in their house over the winter. And to just tell her how hard that must be, but how amazing that is that she can do that and provide for her family that way. So you're telling these people things and you're being able to give them encouragement and be a light to them all the way across the world. And it's, 
It's just an amazing experience, and it's not just about the things that we can pour into them, but without a doubt, having an experience like that, I mean, for any parent out there, I mean, it, it changed me personally. Um, and it let me know that, that even though, you know, God has a plan in mind for me to, to be a great husband and, and be a great father, that it extends beyond just that, you know, biological family that we've been blessed with, and that really that He allows us to take on the opportunities to really get out and, and to play those roles um, with people all the way across the world. Mm, Nate, what would you, any just last one encouragement for us uh, as this whole idea of raising world changers? Mm, yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think that raising world changers, I really think it starts with you deciding that you're going to be a world changer first. Mm. Um, and that's going to look different for certain people. You know, I, I had my way in, in, in going about that. But, but I will say this, that um, I'm, I'm a living testament that God will take people who are not perfect, um, who have plenty of flaws, who maybe don't have uh, above average skills or abilities, um, and that he will take any sort of step that we want to make, and he'll do the work. Um, I was amazed at, at how with, you know, the group with JMI, how we were allowed to just plug in and use whatever we had and bring that to the table. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, we all have our, our daily routines, and, uh, and they may be great routines. Um, God is challenging you. He's challenging me. He's challenging all of us to do something extra. Um, He's inviting you on an adventure along with himself, and it may not be in Moldova or the Amazon, but, but he's challenging you to step out and take whatever sort of leap of faith that you have that you can do, however it's serving or getting involved with people or being a parent to somebody or a good friend to somebody. He's going to take that, and, and he's going to use that. And it's through activities like that and your commitment um, and your willingness to just let him lead that he's going to help you and us change the world together. Mm. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, brother. Great job. Guys, it's so amazing what God's calling us to do and the way God's calling us to serve the people right here in our own families, but people around the world and to see lives being changed. And, and I do want to encourage you. Uh, we have a JMI table set up out there, and, and you can pick up a child and sponsor them. It's, it's $40 a month, like Nate said. But I'm telling you, you will change a life. We have 25 full-time people with JMI over in Moldova, and we take care of buying them food and clothes. But, but you could sponsor a child. And, and I just encourage everybody, I'd love every family to have a, a child that they sponsor. Um, when we were over there this summer, Grace, my oldest daughter, she got to meet our sponsor child. We have a couple that we sponsor over there as a family, and, and it, it was amazing. And Lisa and Grace were working with this one kid, and he's a transitional living kid, and he was just, man, he's just on fire for the Lord, and, and they heard his story, and, and no parents or anything, but just seeing his life be changed. And, and uh, Lisa was like, this kid is so awesome. And she called me, and she goes, and I was talking to him, and his name's Julian, and I said, Julian, who's your sponsor? And he said, I had a sponsor for five years. And, she, and she's like, well, who is it? And he said, Mrs. Simmons. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah. And she goes, it's, 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 it's your mom. Your mom has been sponsoring this kid through JMI for five years. We didn't even know that. And then she starts crying. She goes, look, he's a part of our family. He's a part of our family, you know? And I was like, oh man, you know? So it's amazing what God's doing. And we know these kids and they're our kids. And so I just encourage you, you know, we have this opportunity, right? 
We all have this opportunity to make history. And we're making history. And we are. This is the time that your kids are going to look back on. This is the time that your nieces and nephews are going to look back on. This is our time and our opportunity. And what difference will we make today? What impact will we make for the glory of God? And when we stand before him one day, it's not going to be about all the stuff that we amassed. It's going to be the lives that were poured into in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he brought his disciples together. And he said, guys, I don't want you to miss this. I just don't want you to miss this. And so he took bread, and after he broke it, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. I'm going to step in your place. I'm going to take your place on the cross. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant. My blood poured out for you. Take a drink in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning, we have the opportunity to join with churches throughout history who have received communion, the Lord's Supper. I want to invite some of our people to go. We're going to be serving at the tables. And this morning, when you come to the tables, there's two tables on the side. There's two in the middle and there's two in the back. You're going to see people from all different walks of life. You're going to see families uh, with children who have accepted Christ. You're going to see single adults. You're going to see uh, married couples. But the fact is this, we're the body of Christ. And they're just going to be there to serve you. And to hold out the bread, Christ's body broken for you. And to hold out the cup, his blood poured out for you. And you take a piece of the bread, dip into the cup, and receive what only God can give. So let me pray for us, and let's have a chance to come and receive communion. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Oh, God, you are here in this place. Thank you for worship. Thank you, Father, for meeting us through your word and the example that was given by the Apostle Paul. And Father, I pray that you would find us faithful. Just as Paul was faithful in his day and Timothy in his day, God, let us be as your disciples faithful in our day and in this generation. God, give us wisdom beyond our years. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit to work through us. And God, let us focus our eyes on you, Jesus. So we come to your table. We come to your table to thank you for the sacrifice that you've given for us, to thank you for the people who've invested in us, and to make a commitment this morning to live our lives for you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we come. Amen, amen. You're invited to come to his table. Have you come to the end of yourself? 
Do you thirst for a drink from the well in Jesus' call? Oh, come to the altar and the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Mistakes come today. There's no reason to wait because Jesus is called. So bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born, and Jesus is called. Yeah, oh, come to. The altar and the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought within the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, what a say. Let's stand. for us. Never forget that. Pay it throughout history. It's Jesus. It is Jesus. So fix your eyes and your heart on him.
And may Christ fill us with the joy of Christ and his love and his grace. And may that permeate our homes and our families and our whole entire generation for the glory of God. So thankful. You can be seated. Praise God that he is present, that he is here. And this is our time and our opportunity. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory. And if you have a prayer request, you can drop it in the basket. If you have, you know, just your communication card, if you're a first-time guest, you can drop that in the basket as well. After the service, I'll be here. There'll be people on our staff. If you want to pray with somebody, some of our A6 men will be here. We'd love to talk with you or pray with you. What an incredible morning, man, just coming to his table. So now let's give back. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace, your mercy, and love in Jesus. Thank you for teaching us through your word and for worship. Thank you for an incredible morning. And Father, fill us, God, with joy, with hope, and with love. Thank you for an opportunity to give back. Take what is given today and use it, Father, to impact our own kids that are in rooms all around us right now and the kids of this church, but also kids in Moldova, South Africa, Haiti, and all around the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, this morning, just as a part of our series, we're talking about raising world changers. And I want you to watch this from a girl in our church and the difference God's making through her. Check this out. Hi, my name is Ava Harden. I'm 11 years old. I've gone to Rolling Hills for seven years now, and I'm in sixth grade. When I was in third grade, this boy came from Haiti. I had no idea what Haiti was. Didn't know where it was, didn't know what they did. He had a lot of anger, and it was because he didn't have anything where he lived. His mom and dad had to give him away because they didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough water that wasn't diseased. They split him up from his sister and his parents 3,000 miles away and it changed everything for me. I hated that he had to go through that. I do a lot of fundraising right now. I've done it for two years. My first fundraiser, I had raised $1,000, and um, that was just through like a lemonade stand, a couple lemonade stands, and then my website came. So we sponsored Samuel, a little boy from Haiti. He's from Giacomo and we got a lot of letters from him. And then I did my t-shirts. All these people, all my relatives, all my mom's friends, all my dad's friends, all my friends started um, looking at the t-shirts. Last spring, I held a race. It was called High Fives for Haiti. It was held at the Franklin campus, and we had 25 to 30 people to come and a lot of donations. And it's just amazing how God can do so much in so little time. My fundraising goes all to my trip, me and my mom's trip we're going to. Summer 2020, we're hoping to meet all the children that we've seen that haven't been sponsored and all the kids that we have sponsored. And I'm really looking forward to meet Samuel. I'm hoping to inspire every single adult, every single teenager. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. And that's my way of changing the world. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. Wow. Ava Harden, and she sits right there at 9.30. I was just like, this is awesome. And seeing her parents and her grandparents and church family, it takes all of us. So love you guys. It's been a great series. So check out the Parenting Podcast. If you have, need more information about church, stop by Next Steps. 
Also, you can grab a book, or if you want to sponsor a child, there's a place right outside. And uh, man, let's change the world together, church. Let's stand. Let me pray a blessing over us, and let's go and live it out. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for the call. Thank you for the grace and the mercy. I pray your Holy Spirit would fill us and send us out to be bold and fearless for your name and your glory. And in the name of Jesus, we pray and we go. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. God bless.